Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Hello, and welcome to another episode of our WCAT production of I Thought You'd Like to Know This Too. I will be your host today, Michael Horn. It is great to be with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to WCAT Radio. I have some excellent guests today to talk about their story and just a wonderful endeavor that they've kind of taken on. Their names are Mike and Sarah Zimmerman, and I am going to let Mike and Sarah introduce themselves to you all and to give you a little bit about their story. And so, Mike and Sarah, welcome. How are you all doing? We're good. Thank you. Very good, very good. Thank you so much for being being with me today, and thanks for sharing your story with our listeners. I just want to kind of dive right into... uh, the crux of our interview today, and I just want to ask you a little bit about your story and kind of your family situation, your background, kind of where you're from, what sort of things you're involved with for work, and just any other things you'd like to to share with with our audience today. Excellent. Sounds good. So you want to go first, Arlen, or you want me to go first? I can go first. Um, We are parents first um, to three awesome kids. They're nine, six, and two, so we're busy. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in Nashville right now, and uh, we we are originally from San Diego, um, but we made it here when Mike decided to go to Vanderbilt for his master's degree in theology. And we have a bunch of family here too now, which is awesome. Um, but we've been here for about 10 years, and we uh, fell in love with the Music City in the South, and it's a great place to raise a family. Okay. Excellent. So, for, uh, yeah, for, for me, um, I guess some things I could tell you about myself. Uh, one of the reasons, yeah, we came to, to Nashville is so that I could uh, come and go to, to Vanderbilt University. There I was doing uh, my first master's degree uh, in, in theology. Um, because I had done my undergrad at Madonna University up in Michigan, right outside of Detroit, Livonia, Michigan, um, and wanted to continue on uh, with uh, my religious studies degree because I got a bachelor's in religious studies. And so looking at graduate schools, I was looking for one that would challenge me a little bit uh, because being a convert to the faith, I didn't want just uh, just more of the same. I wanted to be challenged uh, in, in the ways that the faith kind of explores, and so that's why I chose Vanderbilt. So we we came down to the south um, with Vanderbilt, which is a very ecumenical school, uh, and I got exactly what I was looking for, a nice challenging kind of time at their divinity school. Um, once I was finished with that, I, I did do an, another master's degree at the Maryvale Institute in Birmingham, England, um, and I uh, have been studying that. And uh, Along the way, um, I kind of uh, changed. I was going for teaching, but fell in love with ministry. I just um, love kids. I love working with kids and, and the development of faith especially, and so that kind of led me to a long journey to where I am now. I'm actually the, the director of youth ministry at our parish, which is called Our Lady of the Lake, uh, here in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is just north of Nashville. Uh, so I get to do that and hang out with some amazing youth and help them in their journey of the faith and explore uh, the mysteries of our faith and, and how to dive deeper in such a delicate kind of age as they're kind of taking on their faith as their own. Um, and then in, t- in addition to that, I'm such a history person, I couldn't help it, I couldn't stay away from uh, museums, and so I actually work at Andrew Jackson's Hermitage as well, which is uh, the seventh president's home, his historic home here in Nashville. And so I work as an interpretive manager there, helping write and develop stories about the president and things like that. So, uh, so we're very busy. So, um, with uh, without the the uh, hard work that Sarah puts in here with our kids, and then all, all the work we do outside the home prize, we we have even any hours to put towards this. But this labor of love that we we put together, we we really really love. So um, we've just been very busy over the years. Now um, for for Sarah, I mean, she you know has always been a busy person. She was a former vet tech. Uh, and then, you know, has now turned into a, our homeschooling guru now who is leading our kids in, in their homeschool adventure here doing uh, some Seton Catholic homeschooling. And so I, I sometimes I come home really exhausted from my work day and I can only look at her and imagine what she's been through. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, we're, we're a fully functioning, fun family with activities galore and school and the whole nine yards, but, but it's, uh, it's a fun life that, that God has led us to. 
Amen. Amen. Very good. Very good. Thanks for telling us a little bit about your story. And I am jealous already of you, Mike, because you are in Birmingham, England, and I would love to go to England at some point. I've, I've had the good fortune of being in Europe and, and a couple countries over there in Europe, but I have not made it to England yet. So very cool, very cool that you were able to head to Birmingham for a little bit. And now we'll just kind of transition a little bit into this endeavor that you all have called the Little Catholic Clubhouse. And you kind of touched on the idea a little bit briefly there in the introduction. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the Little Catholic Clubhouse and where that idea came from? Um, it came from, well, uh, Mike is a convert. So he converted um, before we were married, and I'm a cradle Catholic. I did Catholic school and, you know, CCD and all that stuff. And, um, you know, we kind of were Sunday goers after he converted, and that was basically it. I mean, he was he was into theology, but um, we weren't super devout at that point. We just, you know, um, we did our duty. We went on Sundays, and... Um, but once we became parents, it was different because we're like, okay, well, we want to set our kids up um, and pass this space down. Um, and so the way that we, you know, viewed ourselves or visioned ourselves going forward was that we would teach our kids, obviously, the stories from the Bible, which are important. But um, we were also looking for stories that would show um, how to apply these moral lessons that they're learning from the Bible to their lives and, um, and you know, something that they would understand in their world. And so, you know, we ventured out to different Catholic stores and online and stuff. And um, on our quest, we kind of found that this didn't really exist or not at least easily. Um, and then none of the books were really jumping out at the kids with the bright colors, you know, like Dora or... Veggie Tales, you have these really bright, vibrant characters and colors, and while the children's books, a lot of them for Catholics are beautifully illustrated, um, but they're almost too real where the kids' eyes just kind of glance over them, and so we really were looking for something bright that would draw them in, um, and then, of course, teach the lessons of the Bible and our faith, but then also how to put that into their lives and how to live their faith. And I mean, I know that's a lot to ask for, but um, we couldn't find it. And so the idea for Little Catholic Clubhouse came along and we're like, well, maybe we could do something like that. And it was, um, we wanted to create something fun for our kids. And so we wrote the first book first, you know, we just told the story of Little Catholic Clubhouse and it became the, and Little Catholic Clubhouse and the true meaning of Christmas. Um, we thought Christmas would be obviously the easiest one to tackle since the story is pretty known. Um, and so once we, you know, told the story over and over again, then we decided to write it down and we're like, you know what, let's just make it a thing. And then um, we wanted them to know the story of the nativity and that it was focused around Jesus, um, but also the gift giving and the why and why we do it and that Jesus um, and that they understand that it's still about Jesus. So it was kind of a lot to to put together, but it took us a really long time to write that story. And then eventually um, we looked for an illustrator, um, which was a whole deal in itself. Um, and so I, I ended up just trying to draw it myself, and it came out really good. We call it divine intervention because sometimes I have to draw, like, a donkey, and I'm like, I don't know how to draw a donkey, but then it looks pretty cool. So I was like, hey, check out my donkey. And then it just kind of became this fun thing we did. And then, um, I don't know, do you want to add? Yeah, I, it's, I guess it was really just kind of organic in the way that it developed. I mean, it was just like starting with stories that we were, you know, kind of just relaying to our kids. And that was kind of the limitation that we, we, we were dealing with. We thought this was just stories for our kids because that's where our mindset was. And then it's just like, well, what do these characters look like? They always want to know when you're talking about them the backstory or what they look like or things like that. And so then it was like, okay, then let's give them a look. And then by the time you start putting things together, this formation of a book is just naturally evolving. And so um, so we, we ventured into this world of, of actually writing a children's book and, and forming one together and putting it together so that it actually could be something that our kids could, you know, have in their hands and that maybe somebody else would want. Um, and then once we did that, showing that to family, showing that to friends, 
and then, you know, other people wanting a copy. It was just like then the idea or the concept of us actually being authors or something um, is, was something that could be, you know, something feasible that we could do. So we wanted, you know, to share this with others. We felt it was important that, you know, you know the way that we're feeling about our kids, the way that we're feeling that, you know, there's a gap in this kind of uh, area of children's books and their development and their faith, you know, as, you know uh, parents wanting to relay the faith, you know, maybe other parents could, could value from this too. And so we wanted to share it with others. And so that's kind of where the impetus really came from. Very good. Very good. So wh why did you feel, I know you, you mentioned this a little bit, certainly in the, the development of the whole idea for Little Catholic Clubhouse, so why did you feel this was so important that these books be written and shared with other people today? What, what is the significance of kind of your endeavor with this, uh, this project, essentially? Why is it so important that, th that this sort of thing happened today, do you think? Um, well, once we, we, had, we got it down on paper and drawn and stuff like that, we, we actually went to Kinko's and spent way too much on one copy. Um, but we wanted it just so we could have it in our hands and read it to our kids. That was our goal from the beginning was just to have it from start to finish, you know, be able to sit down, read it to our kids, and then have them something for them to have. Um, and once it was done, our son was in first grade at the time. Um, he wanted to show his class at his Catholic school. And um, so he brought it in for them to read during uh, story time. And um, he, they loved it, and we got so many positive responses from that and his teacher and um, the other teachers there. Then it just kind of it grew from there. We started showing the friends and family, and um, the response was all good. So we decided, you know what, Let's, why don't we just publish it for real, like at a real publisher and, or, you know, printer. And so um, we did do that. And then um, while we like went through the process of this, I, I kind of discovered being a cradle Catholic that there was a lot that I didn't really know about my own faith. Um, and I had to do a lot of research during the true meaning of Christmas. Like I didn't know that it was just like this little, the whole nativity story was a little blurb in the Bible because mm -hmm. um, and I, I just had known it. So I thought it was in there and in detail in it. And so it was like, well, gosh, it's kind of embarrassing. And so... Um, when I was writing these books, um, or when we, when we wrote the first one, I discovered how much I didn't know. And then I'm like, well, maybe we could write for Catholic kids, but also Catholic parents. Because um, a lot of Catholics actually learn the ins and outs of our faith through confirmation, but that's done when you're like a sophomore. And a lot of them don't go back and revisit the faith. And so, and I think you get to a point if you grow up in the faith where you're actually embarrassed that you don't know why we do the things we do as Catholics. You just say, you know, this is, that's what we do. I mean, we just do that. We kneel, we stand, we, you know, we eat this bread, that's Jesus. And they don't, a lot of them don't really grasp it as in, a, in their adult minds. And so, um, I thought that it would be cool to do, like, double duty and explain the faith to the kids, but also the parents at the same time because, you know, parents read to their children. Um, and so we kind of write the books for that purpose and in that format. And um, also um, we added a section at the end that was points to ponder and that kind of asks the questions and um, furthers faith discussion between parents and ch children or teachers and children or just, you know, whatever adult is reading the book to the child. Um, and so, and it also makes sure that they're really getting the message of the, you know, the biblical story and the, how to apply it to their lives too. Sure. Beautiful. Mike, did you have anything to add on that? Uh, the only thing I would add is that, um, you know, when we were kind of putting this together, you know, I, I was going through school and, and, you know, reading all these things about the way that the church regards education and stuff, because that was part of what I was going to school for, and just seeing the impetus of, of uh, St. John Paul II about how the primary educators of children in the faith are the parents. And it's just like, and that's a big deal. That's a, that's a very heavy task. And, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out how I can explain the faith to my kids, and I'm sitting here going to school for it, let alone the parents who, you know, they're just – a regular, you know, kind of job. They're an accountant. They're a banker. They're a construction worker. They're, 
all these other careers that we have in life, and it's just like, you know, for them, you know, they're not going through theological school, and it's just like, you know, what, what tools do they have as the primary educators of their kids when it comes to the faith? So um, I thought it was really important for us to share those tools as we're developing them so that they can, you know, make sure that they have those as well. I think that's really important. Sure. Sure, very good. And so it says that you all co-author the book. Can you talk to me a little bit about the pro- that process of co-authorship and how that works for you when you were taking this on? Um, yeah, so basically we come up with a subject. I mean, the Christmas one, the Christmas one was kind of easy in that we didn't really have any process at that point. Um, we've written three so far, and the, the next one, the second one we dove into was the Eucharist. Um, and so basically we come up with whatever subject we want to cover, whether it's the Eucharist or Christmas or whatever we come, are going to come up with in the future. And then um, we come up with a moral problem to kind of complement it and that the younger children could relate to. And um, so we go back and forth between almost like two stories, between like the personal story, between the child and their issue, and then the Bible story. Um, and then we we just go back and forth, like bouncing it off. And a lot of times we'll be like, hey, what about this? It's like, And then Mike is my uh, theological um, jury. So he's like, no, you can't say that. No, you can't say that. Especially like when it came to the Eucharist. <laughs> That was a tough one, I'm not going to lie. Um, and so there was a lot of like, no, no, that would be like heresy. No, you can't say that. <laughs> so we kind of do this until we get it to where we're both happy um, with it. And uh, Yeah, I think one of the hardest things is, is that when you're trying to uh, figure out some of these complexities of the faith and then teach them to children, <laughs> um, you're trying to simplify it a little bit and reduce it down so it's not so heavy or so many big words, but, you know, man, when you're supposed to do something like the Eucharist, it's just like, I know the saints of the past have had these problems too, where it's just like nothing perfectly explains some of these mysteries of the faith. And so we go back and forth and we uh, talk to our parish priests, we talk to other people that we know that's like, you know, is this a good way to explain it? Is this a good, you know, and so uh, coming those together. So it goes from the you know, the idea phase to, like, the, the more mechanics of it, and then we're kind of putting it, working it into this more narrative story for the kids where um, now the kids can see themselves in the story and kind of uh, see a, a child having a real-world issue but having that moral kind of being able to be applied to them so that they can solve that issue uh, in, a, in a way that's, you know, very formulaic, that they're very used to seeing it in their in their books, their cartoons, and the things that they're, they're witnessing and being a part of already. So capitalizing on the way that their minds work and really kind of uh, bringing that into a faith context, I think, is, is, the, is the goal. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and so you mentioned that you have a couple titles already published from this series, and so I think three that you have so far. Could you talk to me a little bit about those three that you have published so far, just a little bit about those kind of the dynamics of those and how they look? Yeah, no, absolutely. So. Uh, the three titles we have, uh, we started off, like Sarah was mentioning, uh, with Little Catholic Clubhouse and the True Meaning of Christmas. Um, that one, I mean, the, the origination of the story kind of came from that time of the year that we were talking with our kids, and that kind of story develops, you know, naturally in that way. And so that one kind of dives into, you know, the deeper meaning behind Christmas, the deeper meaning behind gift giving. Um, it was really that lesson that we were trying to impart uh, with our children about the birth of Christ, about the nativity, about how we celebrate things, and really kind of teaching that lesson about, you know, uh, objectivity and all the things that we get into, materialism with Christmas, and trying to instill in them from a young age the real meaning of Christmas so that they understand that and really kind of grow up with that. And I think that'll hopefully, is our goal, fight that, you know, in the future for them as they kind of grow and mature and, uh, you know, go to school with other kids and, and all the things that they'll develop and seeing some of our materialistic world. Um, next, after that, when we were looking at what our next topic should be, uh, maybe we were shooting the moon a little bit, but we decided that, you know, we're, we're taking our kids to Mass, and they weren't really understanding what the Eucharist was. And, I mean, I know this is a heavy one that, like, you know, even uh, Thomas Aquinas spent his life kind of trying to explore what is the Eucharist and the true presence, but uh, we decided to try and ex- find a way to explain that to our kids. And so... The second book is Little Catholic Clubhouse and the Eucharist. 
that one we kind of uh, more delve into the concept of sacrifice for the kids. So when they're um, being taught about Christ and Calvary and the setting up of the Eucharist and how all those extremely complex things of our faith uh, relate, then they can understand it at least on a base level and coming into it, see the relation between those two. Because, of course, being the Eucharist and the true presence in the Eucharist, as, as they said, is the source and summit of our faith. And so if there was ever something that we should tackle right away and get our kids to kind of have an appreciation for at a young age, it should be the Eucharist. It should be the attendance at Mass and what, and what the participation in the Mass means. And so... Uh, so we attempted to kind of make that a real important one, and that's why it was our second one. Now, the third one, uh, we thought, you know, we should, we should delve into these other aspects of, of the faith that are kind of confusing for Catholics as well. And so that's why we went with Little Catholic Clubhouse and the Annunciation. Now, of course, we wanted to, at first our goal was to do something about Mary, and we were going to do a Marian book. But then when we dove into the aspects of Mary, she is so ginormous and so many things about her that we decided maybe we should do a Marian series. We should break it apart into individual parts. And so we started with the beginning. We decided to start with the Annunciation. And so, because, I mean, for most, you know, most Catholics, especially non-Catholics, what is the difference between, you know, the Annunciation, the Incarnation, and all of these, you know, big terms that we use, these were very important. So, you know, each one has, you know, a plot that, you know, kind of takes the kids from their real-world moral problem and then uh, coming together to kind of work through that, that they're taken back into the scriptures by their guide. And we have a guy, uh, Father Q is the priest, their guide, who takes them back into the scriptures and uh, helps them to see the, the moral, um, you know, kind of underpinning of that story. And then that uh, moral uh, kind of, you know, underpinning is brought back into the, con the modern context where they can apply it to their own plot problem and then, you know, kind of a solution. So, because one of the overriding goals, I think, of all the stories is not just an understanding of the scriptures, not just an understanding of the faith, but how does that faith apply to me in my regular life? And so helping them kind of apply those things to themselves uh, in, in their real life is, is a real kind of uh, underpinning goal of all that as well. Sure. Well said. Sarah, do you have any, anything to add on those kind of three titles that have been published thus far? Anything else you want to say that, anything you want to brag about? No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, we're very proud of our books. Yeah, the Mary one was, that one was funny. And then the Annunciation is kind of a random book, um, type, like a random one just to pick from out of all the things. But we really wanted to make sure we hit on the Catholic subjects first. Um, because, you know, there's so many Christian books out there right now that, like Veggie Tales and stuff, that are fine, um, but there's not a lot of ones that are actually Catholic and um, that kind of, you know, do a fiction story. And so we wanted to make sure that we hit on the Catholic uh, thing, big, big things first. So, like, the Eucharist, that's why we chose that one, because it's the biggest. And then, you know, Mary is one that's huge and, you know, very often, like, you know, other faiths are confused by it. And so I, our goal is to make our, our Catholic children, you know, they just know it. It comes across and they just, it's just stuff that they know about, you know, Mary. And, um, and so it was, yeah, like Mike was saying, it was going to be a Marian book, but she's so big and I felt like it was getting watered down. And, you know, we started off with her big yes to God and I thought that that was, you know, good enough. So, we will eventually have a Marian series, um, but this one was really good, and I think it, it's actually a really important book, I think, for kids because it does, it focuses, each one of our books focus on a different character, um, so it's not always the same. You know, there's six kids right now in the clubhouse, and um, we change it up, and so this one focuses on Maria, and she works hard for something, and it doesn't go the way that she wants it to and um you know with our kids it's when they're when they get disappointed it's so hard as a parent to comfort them and not try to fix everything and it's also hard to find the words to explain to them why it didn't go the way that they expected or that you know it should go and so um the annunciation really talks about god's will and um and it i think it's a really important book for um parents for parents to 
you know, give them examples of how to explain it to their kids when they're disappointed, but also for kids to know that, you know, you got to trust God to know um, what's good for you and what, you know, you should be doing in your life. So, yes, we love our books, um, and we really, really strive for the kids to walk away knowing, you know, like the Eucharist ones about sacrifice and what Jesus did, but also how we can sacrifice for love of others, and that's what it was about. It was about love and and giving and um, same with the the Christmas one. And so um, I don't know. I guess that's, that's the main goal of our books is to keep the kids sure. Catholic, you know, keep them strong Catholic, proud to be Catholic. It gives them kids to look up to, that to identify with. Um, we went with uh, multi-nationalities so that way we can be inclusive or, you know, inclusive to all. And, um, and so, yeah, so basically that's, there's a lot of thought in our books, um, but we just want to make strong Catholics keep the faith, explain how beautiful it is, and, um, and then also teach them to be good humans along the way. Yeah, that's amazing. And, yeah, I love those points. And I also love the point that you guys made just a few moments ago about just the beauty of the family as the domestic church. And I've had the pleasure of talking to some people, not only in my own work, but in, in interviews on the radio as well, about just people that have started things like, like the things that you're doing and, and just have this beautiful calling and this beautiful gift of God, like you said, to kind of share something that they create with the world. And I think it's so important just that we provide people, especially young families, that have parents that are seeking to kind of evangelize their kids and catechize their kids and to present the truths of the faith to them in a way that makes sense, that's concrete, that really makes it relatable. I think that, so this is so cool that you all are doing this and making the family truly a domestic church, like you said. And I, I just love, love that so much, and I, I think it's something that's lacking in a lot of families that we find today, unfortunately, in our parishes and things like that. So I'm just great respect for you all and the work that you're doing with, with this series. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I know you mentioned that it's just kind of, you have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old, and so obviously this is something that you plan on sharing with them now or perhaps in the future for the two-year-old, but there's, a, there's certainly, uh, it's certainly something that can be shared with young kids, but is there uh, an ideal age group perhaps that, that this series caters to best, would you say, or is it pretty pretty universal and a good range, or how would you explain kind of the best age group for reading this book? Um, well, it's designed for early readers, um, but I'd say between the ages of like three and around eight or nine, um, mm -hmm. nine, it's kind of capping out at nine, because it, it's not a chapter book by any means, but the moral is still there that they can grasp at that age, I think, a little bit better. Um, sure. But... There, you know, the pictures are bright, and our two-year-old, um, she's almost three, but when she was two, like just turned two, she would grab those. She would gravitate right to our books, which was so cute, and she would just sit there flipping through the pages, so she likes them, and I know a bunch of other readers who have littler siblings that like them, and they don't really get what's going on. Um, so I would say between three and eight, because the different ages get different things out of it. Like the younger ones like the pictures and the bright colors, and the older ones um, will identify more as, you know, will identify with the moral and um, the questions at the end and kind of stuff like that. So. Okay. Cool. And uh, I have a question, the next question, just on the topic of kind of scrolling through the book. And one of the last pages of this book that you all have made, uh, it's dedicated to a charity that seems to be pretty close to your heart. And can you talk to me a little bit about the charity that you dedicated this, this book to? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so uh, at, our, at our parish, uh, Our Lady of the Lake here uh, in, in Hendersonville, Tennessee, um, we have, we're very uh, blessed. I mean, our parish is, is not one of the oldest, but it, it, it's coming up on its 50th anniversary as a parish. Uh, and being, you know, the, the youth director there, um, you know, being intimately involved with all the different ministries. One of the ministries within our parish is actually we're fortunate enough to be part of the parish twinning program, uh, which is where our parish actually has a twin parish that we support uh, down in Haiti. And so the, the parish that we support is called St. Burton's, and they also have um, not only a, a Catholic church and a parish, but they also have a school as well. 
So for our parish, they've been uh, kind of paired for about 30 years or so uh, through this parish twinning program, um, and we've uh, had our parish supporting them in, in all kinds of ways, of course, financially, but then also that they, uh, uh, members of our parish community lead mission trips down there, whether it's a dental mission, a medical mission, or, or whatever they do. Um, so they do things like, um, you know, sea container shipment and, um, you know, anything that we can do to supply the care for the poor uh, through, like, the St. Vincent de Paul Society, all kinds of different ways that they do that. Now, the school we have seen, even over our time as parishioners at Our Lady, we've seen St. Burton's grow, um, and it has grown as a school uh, up through uh, the last year where it was a K through 6 school. This, just this year, now they're opening the grades 7th, 8th, and 9th, which is actually quite tremendous for them because um, only about 5% of students uh, in, in Haiti, um, you know, advance to a secondary school of any type. Um, and so, like, a sixth grade education was, like, a lot of the limit for so many down there to see that our actual parish is contributing to a school that is growing and developing and helping so many down in Haiti is such a tremendous thing. And so when we were putting these books together, we definitely wanted to give back. I mean, not just give back, you know, theologically and, and helping parents teach, which is a mission of the book, but then also, you know, with the money, we're not looking to, you know, become the, you know, the next major author, the next J.K. Rowling off of this thing and, and become like mm -hmm. some, you know, author that is uh, drawing in all kinds of money, but rather, you know, we want to be able to give back. So we started off, I mean, because, you know, we're just, you know, coming out in the beginning with this, that we decided uh, we're going to dedicate at least 10% right off the top of our sales of this book right back to St. Burton's and help them out because we were so touched by their story. We're so touched by their, our parish's involvement with them. We, are, uh, we got to actually meet the current principal, uh, Mark Endy, um, of St. Burton's, and he's a graduate of that school. He graduated from there, goes on to be able to go to college, and then comes back to be the principal because his heart was so moved about the way that St. Burton's affects lives. So we wanted to support that. And so uh, so we're uh, dedicating our books and, and, and a portion of the proceeds to go to St. Burton's right off the top. Uh, and basically to, to me and to Sarah, that's us giving back to God for what God has blessed us with. We are happy to do that, and we want to make sure that we're supporting them. So, yeah, so the back of every book, there's at least two full-color pages talking about that program, talking about St. Burton, and encouraging even people to look into it and look at it and, and see ways that they can give back in their community as well. Sure. That's so beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing sharing about that. That's, that's yeah, a absolutely. Great, great gesture as well. Um, okay, next question. Uh, why do you believe, again, we've talked about this a little bit in uh, the interview just thus far, why do you believe it's so important today to share the Catholic faith in the world? So, yeah, I mean, today, I mean, yeah, more than almost any other time that I can recall, is, is so important for uh, parents to become involved in the development of their children and is in the faith especially. Um, you know, the number of children, for instance, that go uh, to uh, a Catholic education or go to a Catholic school or even the ones who put their, uh, their children within, you know, a religious ed program within their parish, you know, it's dwindling. We're fighting uh, a fight in, the, in this world of moral relativism, and materialism and so many other things that if we don't take our role seriously as the primary educators of our children to, um, to help them understand and grow in the faith, then we're going to lose them very quickly. Uh, in this world that is so adverse to faith development, adverse to objective truth, adverse to so many things, we have to make sure that we're taking this role seriously to help our children to be able to think critically, to be able to think about their faith and actually have a good foundation to stand on. Because, I mean, it's just like the parables that, you know, Christ would talk about, about a house built on a foundation of sand versus one that's built upon rock. Because those waves are going to come at kids, and they come earlier and earlier and earlier. And if they don't have a foundation that is stable, even a foundation of a relationship where they can talk with their parents about their faith, then when those waves of adversity come at them, they're just going to wash away. And if they're washed away when they're young, it is going to be so hard to try and rebuild when they're older, if they try at all. So, I mean, it's, I see that as a youth minister especially. Um, you know, I, so many that just kind of hand their, their children over and not able to, to engage in those uh, faith questions with them because maybe they're not comfortable talking about it. Maybe they're not ready for it. And so these, these books, especially the questions in the back, 
are to engage the conversation between parent and child, and I hope everyone learns something from it and encourages them to continue that kind of journey of knowledge and of faith as well. Mm-hmm. Amen. Sarah, do you have any, any other thoughts on that question? I do. Um, yeah. I think that, and, and this is kind of why we wanted to do it so elementary, too, and, and easy to learn for the kids and the parents, is because, honestly, we grew up in San Diego, and i from Michigan as well, and I was kind of spoiled with the Catholic culture there. When we moved down here, we moved to the Bible Belt, and I have heard, honestly, the craziest things that are taught about Catholicism that are so untrue. And I'm like, where are they getting this? And it's, it's, I just, my goal, I guess, was just to make sure that Catholics know why we believe what we do. Um, and yeah. I think that that's so important. So that way, when questioned, you could just be like, no, that's, that's not what we believe at all, you know, about Mary or Mary worshipers. And it's like, we honor Mary, you know, and I want it to be so second nature for them to answer that it's defending it, but on a very, like, natural way because it's just what they know. It's just it's, they were taught this, they get it, and it's so simple that they're just like, no, that's not what we believe at all. So I think that's why it's so important, too, to continue to spread it so that way people aren't, um, you know, saying that we believe in something that we don't, you know. Um, and I think a lot of Catholics don't, you know, going back to what we talked about before is that they don't know why we do what we do. And it really is a beautiful faith and a one that completely makes sense when you know all the facts. And so I think that's, you know, a very important part of it. Yeah. And that's a magnificent point because I'm a huge fan of Brandon Vaught who works for Word on Fire Ministry. And I had the pleasure of listening to one of his webinars last week and he talked about that very same point that you were just talking about. He said uh, so many people, especially in my generation as, as millennials, they leave the faith before the age of 23 even, and it, yeah. it's just so common that that happens, and, and it's essentially it comes out of the question, they, they don't have an answer for the question, why are you Catholic? And so like you said, to just have that foundation and to have reasons and answers for questions and to really understand your faith and to be able to defend it, to explain it, to talk about the beauty of it and the logic and and rationality of it is a beautiful thing. And so that's certainly a task that is on our plate as Catholics, as evangelists, as witnesses before the world. So I think that's a, that's a really excellent point about just that we need to have this foundation and to share it, and especially like Mike said, how kind of things are being challenged, early, challenged earlier and earlier in, in kids' lives these days about beliefs, about moral practices, about just various things in the news and in the culture. and it's certainly great to begin earlier, like you said, and just to, to kind of teach earlier and, and to prepare people for the things that they will face definitely in the future. So thanks so much for that answer. I'm going to change gears just a little bit um, now about, because I've had the pleasure of, in my own life of having friends that come from homeschool families and a lot of friends that I have who are homeschool parents right now, and, and they kind of have embraced that role of, really setting an example in the domestic church and really having a gift for teaching, teaching their children and raising them as strong Catholic disciples and, and really preparing them for accomplishing their dreams and goals, whatever they want to in life. And so I just want to invite you now, Mike and Sarah. I know this is kind of might be a little on the spot, but just, I'm just curious what some of your reflections are and the advice that you might have for families that are seeking guidance with, with homeschooling a little bit or um, the balance that, that needs to kind of be achieved in that environment? Or just any, any thoughts on how, how that experience has been for you? I know there's certainly a lot there, I'm sure, but uh, if you just want to share a couple of thoughts just for our listeners that, that you could just kind of give any counsel about how to, how to kind of establish a good homeschool environment or how, how to balance the work um, of raising, raising the kids in the faith and education and maybe one person working away, whatever it might be. Sure. Well, it's a bit like running a circus, I feel. Um, <laughs> this is our first year of actually homeschooling. Um, they were, our two older ones, were in um, Catholic school up until now. Um, but we kind of live a bit away from our closest one, and it was about, you know, a, it would take probably there and back about an hour commute. Um, 
And so we have we still have great friends there, and nothing bad to say about it. It was very good, but um, they were just gone so much, you know. And it was just like they 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 were gone from about six to at 4 p.m. every day, and they were tired and crabby and not, you know, getting a lot of sleep. So we decided that we were just going to, you know, try it, try homeschooling for a year. We met a lot of families around here. Our church actually has a um, a really big support system. They have a co-op that functions out of there. We have um, holy family homeschoolers, and so they do field trips together and stuff like that. So, you know, everyone talks about the social interaction that people worry about but it's you know with siblings and then also with their daily um, activities and then the big communities and stuff like that they're they're not uh, neglected in any way on that level but um, the support has definitely been easier we did Seton this year um, and you know it's a curriculum that they send you and you kind of go through it with lesson plans now I was a vet tech I was not a school teacher so this uh is different for me, um, and we're doing first and third grade. So, but you know what? It's it is there are challenges for sure, um, but there are a lot of blessings. And you know, when you get to spend the time and actually teach your kids something, and then when you say, you know, good job, or you're you're doing excellent, and you see their face light up, and you know that it's their parent telling them that. And then mm-hmm. you just taught them something. There's a big bond there that I think is just amazing. And you didn't really know that you were missing that, I guess, if you don't ever do it. So, yeah, yeah. So, and Mike, how has it been? So, so where, where do you work during the day? Yeah. So, um, so for me, I'm I'm more out of the house during during the day. I'm I'm yeah. working at that historical museum during the day, um, and then uh-huh. also, you know kind of busy with the ministry on many evenings as well. But the nice thing is, is there's a lot of flexibility with homeschool as well that I can involve them in, in things that I'm doing, whether it's up at the church or even with the museum as well, is that they do homeschool days and there's ways that I can, you know, uh, take time and engage them and go on, you know, field trips or excursions and all these supplements to uh, what they're learning that it's, it's, it's really amazing, you know, because um, you know, because I was uh, a high school teacher for a bit as well, and I understand the ins and outs of, of running a classroom and having that many kids uh, and, and doing all those kind of things. And so, you know, I mean, even for example, the, the organization that it goes into uh, taking a field trip with your class, you know, when you have 30 students or so, I mean, my goodness, like all the things from the permission forms to the arrangements to the buses to all those things, you know, it's just, it takes a big act of Congress to be able to pull off a field trip and just for that learning experience. When you're homeschooling, it's just like, oh, we're learning this aspect in history or this aspect in science. We want to go do it. You're the only decision maker. Like, hey, let's just go do it. And so then you get to have so much more freedom and engage in more interesting things more frequently and, and more uh, apt to kind of fit those into your curriculum. And then the nice part is, in speaking of curriculum, you can actually – mold the curriculum to each child a little bit better so that they're actually maximizing their time while learning instead of having other students. And this is not to knock public education, private education at all, because it is, you know, a very important thing and a very uh, difficult task. But when you only have your students to worry about, you can speed up, you can slow down, you can explore, you can spend more time on that specific thing. And I think there's a lot of uh, real big advantages and beauty to that. So you know, for anybody out there who's like really even thinking about homeschooling as an option, you know, and I think that for a lot of people they might and then they doubt themselves more than anything else, it's, you know what, give it a shot because it's really uh, something beautiful you can do with your child. And, you know, I've never heard one person say that them spending more time with their child had a negative side effect. I mean, it's just like it's only advantages that you can get out of it. And, and you know, trusting in God who built you to be that provider, that primary educator for your kid, I mean, he knows what he's doing, and so you, you, you've got this if you can do it. And, of course, there's communities and, and there's programs and all kinds of things to help get you started, but most that I've talked to or most that Sarah's kind of heard from and talked to, uh, maybe they start with a program, and then they start to get away from it for a little bit. And they're kind of, you know, fleshing it out on their own and, and exploring almost in that more holistic, original way that education was, you know, just kind of learning with the learner. And I think that's just so cool. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And Mike, I'm I'm curious too because you mentioned how you you have this 
love of theology, and I'm the same way. I love to study theology, and I love to do ministry. And I work at the, the Archdiocese currently in St. Louis, but I do a lot of work at parishes on the side and such. And so I'm just curious sure. if you could talk a little bit about some of the ministries that you're involved with. focus is going to be on the side of your work. So obviously you're at the museum. A lot of times you said you have a lot of ministry events in the evenings and such. What sort of ministries are you involved with? Sure. No. Yeah, so basically, I mean, we're, you know, uh, between Sarah and I and the different ministries who we get involved in, sometimes it can feel like we almost live up at the parish. We're, we're there so much getting involved in different things. But, uh, but my primary role, of course, as, as the youth director at, at our parish, um, so my primary focus is going to be especially the high school teens. And so for me, mm-hmm. my, my ministry primarily covers them. Um, you know, we've been doing kind of uh, the work that, you know, like Life Team does as a curriculum and, you know, uh, having those kind of uh, nights within the church, whether they're uh, social excursions or whether they're service excu- excursions as well, to kind of go out and um, and teach the kids the real aspects of the faith, of how to see Christ in others and to do those kind of things. So um, for the, the teen ministry uh, kind of leading, that takes a big uh, bulwark of that. But then as the youth director, I also cover the middle school ministry as well, and it kind of complements the religious education that's going on uh, within our parish as well. And so I'm fortunate enough that I do have an assistant youth minister as well working with me who's managing some of the middle school and helping me out with that because that's a burgeoning, you know, thing as well. And then, you know, any, any youth minister's wife can tell you that they're just as much, you know, a part of it and just as much a part of the staff as anybody else. And so I couldn't accomplish it without Sarah either um, because she's up there helping me to pull off everything from fundraisers to special events to, um, you know, regular kind of uh, engaging nights with the kids. And so um, that's a primary one for us. Now, being involved as a parish, of course, you know, once you're there, you know, you're going to be involved in so many other things as well. So, of course, you know, I'm a part of the Knights of Columbus uh, and getting involved with those gentlemen. Uh, we have a fraternus program um, at our church as well. We're one of those uh, parishes that are fortunate enough to have a young men's kind of program uh, alongside our youth program called Fraternus that kind of engages them in the development of virtues. Our parish is really blessed that we actually are one of the uh, primary per- uh, parishes that started a Fidelis program for the young ladies as well to accompany that, and it's in its second year. Um, mm-hmm. Then Sarah gets involved, and especially the, the uh, Coalition for Life and, and kind of right-to-life kind of issues. She's a part of the, the Moms Plus uh, uh, group as well for, for moms of, of younger and older kids. Uh, all coming together in support of family life. And so, you know, once you start getting involved in your parish, it's a never-ending kind of way that you can continue to get involved. It's just whatever you want to do, you can find a way to get involved. So um, so we try to be involved with our St. Burton Parish, uh, you know, the Haiti Mission as well. So, um, yeah, so after all those things are, are, you know, coming and going almost every, every, uh, every week, it can almost feel like we live up at the parish, but I couldn't find a better way for us to spend our time. Yeah. Awesome. That's super cool that you're involved with so many good good endeavors in the parish. And that just leads me to another follow-up question real quick because I'm not sure how it works in Nashville. I've only been in Nashville twice in my life because I have a friend there who lives near Vanderbilt and actually works at the university there, which is super cool. But I was just curious because a lot of the parishes here in St. Louis, they have a, a ton of uh, schools that are generally connected with the parish. And I was just wondering how that dynamic is in Nashville. Is are there normally schools associated with the parishes, or is that kind of a rarity? Yeah, so um, in Nashville, I mean, of course, we're, we're in the buckle of the Bible Belt, as we like to say, and so it's yeah. a, little, a little different for us, um, but not too much. I mean, the Diocese of Nashville is really blessed. We have a, a decent number of Catholic schools, of, of K-8 through schools especially, um, and just about every single one of them has an attached parish with it, which is nice. Then in Nashville, we actually have three Catholic high schools. Uh, One is only girls. um, That one's called St. Cecilia uh, Academy, and that one um, is part of the Dominican campus because we have a Dominican mother house here that we are super blessed to have those sisters here, and they help uh, with managing that school. And some of their sisters are involved in other schools around the diocese as well. Uh, And then we have two co-ed Catholic high schools as well, one of them that I taught at, which is Pope John Paul II, and then another one called Father Ryan south of Nashville, uh, which, uh, which is we're really blessed to have. Um, but, you know, I mean, you're right. It is a little different. You come down into Nashville, and, you know, we're not as, as uh, kind of historically Catholic as some of the Northeast is or other areas where, 
you know, you, you can throw a rock and hit a Catholic church here. You know, there's going to be every kind of uh, denomination and church and many other uh, Christian schools uh, throughout the area. And so, um, you know, Vanderbilt, like you were mentioning, um, is kind of downtown in the center of all that. Um, and while I was there, I, you know, I loved my education there, but then I loved it so much. I actually stayed at Vanderbilt, and I was part of their chaplain's office uh, for a few years before I got going in ministry. So I was doing you know, more ecumenical student ministry, but that gets you plugged into many other kind of churches and many other uh, schools as well. Um, and so Nashville, I think, is growing, you know, in its Catholic population. It's one that's burgeoning with, um, you know, a lot. Um, but it is, it is a welcoming city, and it is, you know, pretty beautiful in that way. Sure. Sure, sure. Thanks. Yeah, I'm just curious how it, how it is with the dynamic with parish and school. So just for yeah. our listeners, if you're just tuning in now, you're you have tuned into I Thought You'd Like to Know This Too with Mike and Sarah Zimmerman. Mike is a theologian and, and works in ministry and also works for the museum in Nashville. And, and Sarah is a vet tech who turned stay-at-home mom. And so she is uh, a homeschooling mom. She loves pets and uh, loves, to, loves to teach her kids. And so Mike and Sarah are working together to uh, develop this project called The Little Catholic Clubhouse. And it's a series of books that are based on Catholic themes that are really suitable for kids, especially between the ages of three and eight, and they've been sharing their story with us, how they came to develop that project as wonderful examples of the domestic church. And so, again, thank you for tuning in to, to our show. I just have a couple more questions for uh, Mike and Sarah. And so, Mike, uh, first off, pr practically, we, we need to know how we can get a, our hands on this little Catholic Clubhouse series. So could you talk to us a little bit about how we can get a copy of these, of these three that you have published so far in the series? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the first things that we wanted to make sure that we did uh, in a company with releasing the first book uh, is we, you know, we worked together to kind of uh, put together a website for this because especially now you know, in this digital age and digital platform, we want to make sure that um, there are ways for people to get involved and kind of continue spreading the word. So uh, we put together a, web house, uh, a, a website rather for the series, and that's uh, littlecatholicclubhouse.com. And so, of course, you know, when you start uh, having a website like that, that is a primary way that people can reach us, that we uh, try to post on there and update things as well about the series, uh, more about the characters, those kind of fun things. Um, but there are other ways that we try to reach out to. Of course, there's social media. So, of, of course, Little Catholic Clubhouse is on Facebook. It is also uh, on Instagram and, and all those kind of things. Um, and so those are primary ways that we reach out to people as well. Um, now, of course, through social media, it gives us a, a nice opportunity to reach people in different ways, um, you know, through keeping them up to date on what, you know, the next kind of thing is going on. And so we always try to do that. Um, but in addition to our own website uh, and, and going through the books, if, if people want, we are definitely on Amazon, of course. You can look for us on Amazon. Uh, ResourceCatholic.com is a fantastic way to find us. Uh, they're absolutely great partners in this. Um, and then there's other little ways. You, know, you can find us through Etsy. You can find us through um, lots of different ways uh, to get your hands on these books. And so we're actually you know, we're on Barnes & Noble as well if you wanted to go that route, whatever your trusted sure. source is. Because um, of course, being self-authors, you know we're we're uh, we're working hard and getting you know other allies who can help us get us into your local bookstore, get us into your local school or parish. Um, but you know, just from our little corner of, of Nashville, Tennessee, you know, um, the the internet is going to be the easiest way for you to kind of reach us. So uh, littlecatholicclubhouse.com is the main website, um, and you can link to all these other fantastic ways too. Great. Lots of options to explore that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And do you have other people kind of helping you with this sort of promotion and activity, or is, are you guys doing this all yourselves as well? Um, we're doing a lot of, like, the, so the social media is all us. Um, we are uh, resource Catholics. We've been working with them. Um, they are awesome, and they've been really influential in kind of teaching us the ways and um, working with us as partners. Also, Spiritus, um, they are part of New Day Distribution. They have been helping us get our books into Catholic bookstores, so we are in some Catholic bookstores as well. Um, and so basically that's, that's it. It's just a lot of meeting a lot of really cool people on the way, people that, you know, we're, I'm writing messages to fathers at 
you know, 11 p.m. It's just a really, like, diverse um, group of people that we've met on this journey and just learning a ton. Um, But a lot of it is us. It's just us. So I doesn't move as fast, too, because, you know, life. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Very cool, very cool. And so um, I just wanted to invite you now, Mike and Sarah, at this point, if you have any other kind of Closing thoughts, anything you'd like to say to our audience as we start the wrap-up of our interview? It's been a blessing to be with you today. I just was wondering if you have any kind of final thoughts on the three works that you have published thus far in the series, anything about kind of accessing the uh, works online with, with Little Catholic Clubhouse, anything that you would like to share, just general views on evangelization or ministry or, or family life, any, anything else that I, that I perhaps missed, any, anything else that you would like to share with our listeners just for their own edification and formation. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, first, thank you for having us. I mean, it's such a cool opportunity sure. to, to speak with you and, and kind of get this word out. I mean, we're, yeah. we're two who never thought that this uh, little project of ours that we were doing for our own kids could become something that could be reaching others or changing lives or helping educate about the faith. So it's, it's really cool to, to have that opportunity. And so, um, you know, we, we just invite anyone who's, having those struggles and expressing, you know, the faith to their kids, um, that if they, if they would like, you know, to check out our books because we put a lot of thought and a lot of labor of love into this to help make it accessible to parents and kids uh, and find a way to really do these things. So all the ways that we, we uh, develop each individual character or develop a character bio in the back, thinking and, you know, believe me, our kids are our own test subjects with these things. So, you know, when they want to go, well, what is Maddie's favorite color or what is uh, Pete's favorite saints? We have bios for all of them because all the crazy kids, questions that kids ask, we wanted to make sure that you were equipped to answer that question and so and put that on there. So, um, so if you get the opportunity, it is something with a lot of thought and a lot of love put in, and we're just really uh, happy to share it with everybody. Great. Great. Sarah? I agree with what Mike said. Um, also, too, just just really make sure that you take the time to teach your faith to the kids. I mean, it is so needed and so necessary, and it's not hard. It's not hard, you know. And um, this, our books probably take ten minutes most to teach them, and there's a lot of good, and they learn it, and they actually like. Our kids will be like, "Remember in the book where she did this?" They they get it. It sticks with them. And so um, if not our books, some books, you know, there's a ton of beautiful options out there. I mean, we become friends with the authors of those, too. Um, so just follow us on Facebook, too. We um, are on there all the time, and we do examples and book reviews of other people's stuff. So just really, really take the time to teach your kids. I guess that's our biggest thing. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah, it's important for us to certainly take the time to, uh, if we have if we have our own children, to, to train them in the faith. And if, if we're not married yet or single, whatever it might be, if, if we have that, that, that capacity to act um, as teachers, as counselors, as mentors, as people that are teaching the true faith and living the faith, it's just really a powerful example and witness. So I want to thank you again, Mike and Sarah. I just want to remind our audience and our listeners just a little bit about uh, some of the titles that you have produced in this little Catholic Clubhouse series, and there's a work on the Annunciation that's pretty fresh. There's a work on the tr- on the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and there's also a work on the true meaning of Christmas. And so there's a lot of good topics that Sarah and Mike have explored in these in these works, and they have a lot to offer. And so they mentioned the the various ways that you can access this series and the various works that they have produced with it. So things like their own website at littlecatholicclubhouse.com or resourcecatholic.com or Etsy or Amazon or even Barnes & Noble. Lots of ways to get these works for you, for you and great opportunities to teach the faith and to form your kids in the faith if you're looking for some other resources and, and things to really share as you serve that function as a, as a mother and father and as the domestic church and that family is just so, so crucial in our society that's being attacked in many ways as Mike mentioned at the beginning and there's a lot of distractions out there and a lot of kind of false ideas and false understandings of what the Catholic Church truly teaches and what we're called to do as Catholics in the world today and so just like the first 
disciples of the Lord, we are called to continue to spread the gospel in our thoughts, words, and actions, in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, with our children, and a lot of other ways that we can find, especially in the world today, where we must be creative and innovative in the techniques that we use to reach audiences for the sake of Christ. And thank, thank you for the greater glory of God in all that we do. And so uh, I am your host, Michael Horn, for this program. It's called I Thought You'd Like to Know This Too, and it's been a great and abundant blessing for me to be with Mike and Sarah Zimmerman, who are currently living in Nashville, Tennessee, and raising their three children currently, and have this wonderful little Catholic clubhouse project underway for the whole world to see, and, and they have it promoted various ways that I mentioned before. And I just want to thank, thank you again, Mike and Sarah, for being with me today, and thank you for the work that you do, and may God bless your future endeavors. Well, thank you, thank so, you much. so much. It's been a blessing. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Like I said, may God bless you, and thank you for tuning in to all of our listeners, and you will be in our thoughts and prayers as we go forward. God bless you. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the program, and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.